it means a lot to me. That purity. And I believe God's the same way. He desires purity over professionalism. Amen? He's interested in our hearts. So the title of my message today is Pure is Greater Than Professional. Pure, we got the even, got even got the little greater than math symbol back in elementary. Yeah, it's great. Pure is greater than professional. So let, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that it'll be just your words. Lord, any of, anything that I say, I pray that it'll fall to the ground and be dead, Lord. But I pray that your words will endure. Uh, Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. And so we submit our hearts to your voice. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our series, Position and Practice, where we're walking through the book of Ephesians. And not, now last week we had serve day, but the week before that we kicked it off and we talked about the position of blessing. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we walked through every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that the blessing of the Father, the blessing of the Son, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit, God has blessed us, and we have abundant life because of him. And we talked about how life is what? It's Jesus. So when Jesus says you may have life and life more abundantly, he's saying you may have me and me in abundance, or the fullness of God in our lives. And that's our destiny, which is wonderful. So we talked about the position. And then this week, we're going to shift now and talk about practice. And so we see that throughout the book of Ephesians, that our position in Christ, and then a practice that flows from that position. So today, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15, we're going to pick up where we left off. Verse 15 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. So for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, or making mention of you, another translation says, in my prayers. So the practice or the natural outflow of an abundance of God's grace, the riches of his grace and his blessings in our life is then to bless others, right? Because once we know that God's caring for us, that he's got us, that he's got our hearts, then we don't have to worry about us, right? We entrust our hearts to God. All right, God, you got me. So that frees me up to think about others. Isn't that awesome? So God's taking care of us so that we then can shift our focus towards others and loving them well and blessing them. And specifically the way Paul talks about that is through prayer, through prayer. Now I know prayer can be something that is uncomfortable for us sometimes, like whether it be prayer in public um, uh, and it's in it, there's some fear, there's some trepidation around praying and praying the right way. And there's all sorts of different ways in which we pray. I think we can, we can over-spiritualize prayer to make it more complicated than Jesus intended for it to be. And so uh, before we dive into the verse, I just want to talk about a couple of different reasons of why we don't pray. A couple of reasons why we don't pray. Number one is, I don't know what to say. 
right? We, uh, I don't know what to say, you know? Someone asks us to pray in public, we're like, uh, have them pray, you know? Because we're, we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong things, that we're not going to choose the right words. It's not going to be eloquent. It's not going to be like that one guy that I see praying who just can go for an hour straight and calls down heaven to earth, and it just sounds so powerful and meaningful. So I can't pray like them, so I don't know if I know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, the good thing is, is God isn't interested in how articulate, articulate you are in your prayer. He's just like those cards, right? What is he interested in? The purity of your heart. Prayer doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be real. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be real, authentic. That's what God's looking for. Those prayers, the I love you God prayers, when they're prayed from the heart, man, that moves the heart of God way more than any elaborate poetry we can come up with in our time of prayer. When our heart is engaged, that's what God is looking for. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says that if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you. He doesn't say if you seek me with all of your vocabulary, I'll be found by you. He says if you seek me with all of your heart. Is your heart engaged? I mean, look at the prayers of David in the Psalms. I mean, they were all over the place. You know, there's times where he's angry. There's times where he's sad. There's times where he's happy. There, he's just shouting. He's screaming. He's saying all sorts of different things about what's going on in his life, but he's being authentic. He's being real. He's putting his heart out there and sharing his heart with God, which is what God is after. He wants us to engage our hearts. Prayer is more about the heart than it is the art, that's something you can remember. More about the heart than the art. Eh? Not art, art, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying. All right. So, I don't know what to say. So that's one reason. Another reason why we may not pray, and this one is, can go two different ways, is I don't have time to like pray for an hour straight or I just don't have that time because I got to get up and I got to do work or I got to help my kids go to school or I got all these different things. I don't have time to pray. I can't set aside two hours to intercede and go into the holy of holies with Jesus. Listen, he didn't, just like he didn't ask us to, to pray these perfectly articulate prayers, he's not necessarily asking us to pray long, elaborate prayers either. Our prayers don't have to be long. In fact, exact, the exact opposite is, is in Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. And he goes on to pray the Lord's Prayer, which is like a 20-second Prayer-ish, depending on your pace, right? It's about 20, 30-second prayer. But he says, pray this way, right? Now, we know Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. But from what we see in Scripture, the prayers themselves are pretty short. If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, the apostolic prayer of Paul, is it's a short prayer. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, Father, if it's possible to let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not, not my will, but your will be done, right? That's a short prayer. And one of the longest prayers we see from Jesus in John 17 
And if you read that, maybe two, three minute prayer, our prayers don't have to be. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be or that it's wrong for them to be long. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that they don't have to be these long, elaborate prayers. That God hears us, whether it's short, whether it's long, what he's interested in is it a prayer of faith. Are we engaging our heart? Are we trusting him as we pray? Are we actually talking to a person rather than talking to a room? Are we acknowledging the presence of God with us as we pray? That we're, t- we're telling him as a person. We're petitioning him. We're not just throwing something up there because we should do it, but we're praying from our hearts. So he's looking for the heart. He's looking for faith. Now, sometimes prayer is, our prayers are long, and I'm guilty of praying really, I've played some really long prayers. And I, I'm guilty of that. But again, the reason why I pray a long prayer sometimes is because that's me praying from my heart. Because it's authentic. Because I, I can't say it all in just a few words. I need to use more. And so sometimes your prayers may be long. Sometimes they're short. Either way, God's interested in the heart. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's, let's go back to our verse here in Ephesians chapter 1. And we are going to zoom in to this one verse. And there are two essentials in prayer that Paul highlights. And I want us to dive into them a little bit. So verse 16, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you or making mention of you in my prayers. And then verse 17 starts with, I keep asking. So the number one essential that we see, first essential here is consistency consistency. Paul was consistent in his prayers. He says, I have not stopped. He says, I keep asking. And you see it in his other letters where he says, I've been praying for you night and day with many tears. I've been engaging my heart in prayer for you over and over and over again. He's consistent in his prayer and in his petitions to God. The most effective prayers that are prayed are, are the most, sorry, let me say that again. The most effective prayers are the ones that are prayed. In other words, just pray. Like We don't have to, if it doesn't have to be long, if it doesn't have to be articulate, then just talk to God. Bring your petitions, bring your requests to him from your heart. Be consistent. And since we don't have to make these long ones, it makes it easier. Gethsemane wasn't a long prayer, but it was consistent. He prayed it three different times, the same prayer. Persistence has always been a defining trait in the biblical model of prayer. Matthew 7 says, ask and you shall receive, right? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. In the Greek, it's, it's continual. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Persistence. Jesus said, if you're going to pray, pray like the persistent widow. And he goes on to tell this parable of this woman who was just going after this judge. for She wanted justice for her case. And the judge was an unjust judge. He wouldn't give it to her. But she kept on knocking on his door all hours of the night. Give me justice. And then finally the judge is like, all right, just give her whatever she wants just so she'll go away. And he's like, if an unjust judge... Will give, will give righteousness and justice to this widow, how much more will your heavenly father answer the prayers of his saints who pray to him night and day? But he says, in this way, pray, be 
persistent, be consistent, because consistency is a sign of trust. It's a sign of trust. We're saying, God, I'm putting my faith and my dependence in you. Because typically what happens when we stop praying, we start doing. Stop praying, we start doing. We say, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. I got this. I'm just going to take ownership of this issue. I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to figure it out. Prayer keeps us dependent. It keeps us relying upon God's grace and his strength in us rather than our own. We keep leaning into him, keep clinging to him. And that's why he says, pray consistently, persistent. Keep holding on to me. Don't ever let go because that's where your strength is found. Where I am, that's where life is. So don't let go. Keep praying. Keep being consistent. And then that way we don't take ownership of things that we shouldn't be taking ownership of. We cast our cares upon the Lord for he cares for us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But we trust him and we show that trust when we're consistent in our prayer. We trust God with the outcome rather than taking responsibility for it. Now, we can be responsible for the actions. God's asking us to be obedient or to do something. Absolutely, we need to do that. But prayer keeps us trusting God for the, with the outcome. Amen? All right, so number one is consistency. He says, I have not stopped. The second thing we see here, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, gratitude is an essential part of our prayer life. Prayer and gratitude work together in tandem. He says, when you pray, make sure you pray with thanksgiving. Because if we want to engage our hearts in prayer, This is one way we can do that. Because what is better at activating our heart than gratitude? Because when we choose to be thankful and we start giving thanks to God, suddenly our heart gets involved. Our heart becomes almost activated. Like worship and gratitude, like activates our heart. It makes it come alive. And now we're not just doing something because we should do it. We're not just doing it mechanically, especially prayer, which is easy to to fall into that pattern of just a mechanical religious duty. When we choose to have gratitude, our hearts are engaged now because God's winning our hearts through his goodness and his grace. And when we take time to acknowledge that, suddenly we become alive to God. And then our prayer takes a whole nother life on it when we start with gratitude. So we see a couple of different types of gratitude in prayer, in scripture. And so we're gonna dive deep into this. Um, First one is gratitude to God. We're, We're grateful to him for all that he has done. And all that he is doing. Um, so gratitude to God cultivates four different things in our lives. Number one, gratitude cultivates position. Position. What does that mean? 
It positions our hearts to hear from God. The Bible says in, in James 4, 8, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And so our proximity to the Lord, when we worship him and when we choose to give thanks, our hearts are drawing near to God and then our spiritual ears are more likely to hear the voice of Jesus because it's captured, Jesus has captured our gaze. Gratitude allows our gaze to be captured by God and our attention is given to him and the more attentive we are to him, the more likely we are to hear his voice. And so gratitude cultivates position, proximity to hear the voice of God. If you've had a hard time in your walk with Jesus hearing God's voice, his direction and his spirit, I encourage you to start practicing gratitude. Start practicing gratitude. Before you pray, before you ask God for wisdom and discernment and, and the answer to the question, just worship him a little bit. Draw near to him. See what happens. See what God does. So it cultivates position in our hearts. Gratitude to God also cultivates a posture of worship. And it puts things in the proper order of honor, praise before petition. Praise before petition. Because how many of you guys know God's already done a lot for us? Right? Has he done a lot for you? Right, he's done a lot. I mean, if, if all he did was the cross, if all, if, if all God did was send his son, and all Jesus did was give his life in the most brutal death and torture possible, dying for our sin and resurrecting from the grave, and that was the only thing that he did, that would be enough. That's enough for me to worship. That's enough for me to adore him. He doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me anything else. He's done enough. And so when we start with gratitude, we, we, we posture our hearts and we start practicing the proper order of worship. Praise first. And then we realize, man, God, if you didn't answer another prayer for the rest of my life, now he will, of course, because he's amazing and he's good and he's gracious and wonderful. But even if he didn't, he's done enough. Jesus is enough. And so it, it postures our heart in the right place. And then what happens is our prayers can shift from demands to requests. When we have a posture of worship, we don't make demands of God. <laughs> we request. We request with honor and awe and gratitude. Gratitude cultivates a posture of worship. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is heaven and you are on earth. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Praise before petition. Have you guys ever seen the movie, The Last Samurai? You guys ever seen that movie? No. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, no. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. But one of the things that it, it highlights is this culture of honor among the samurai. Like there is a very particular order in which they approached the emperor and, and did so many different things in their life. There was this culture of honor and value. And I think that's something that it's easy to lose in our day and age. 
Um, and although God is our friend and Jesus is our friend, he's also our king. And so there is still an, an, a reverence that, that we need to have when we approach the king of all kings. Now, again, he's a good father. So he meets us where we're at, and he's amazing, full of grace, but he's still the king. Amen? Amen. Uh, the third thing here we see that gratitude cultivates in our heart is perspective. So position, it helps us draw close to God, hear from his voice, posture of worship, and then perspective. I'm doing P's, of course, because I'm a pastor. And so we do all the P's and, and preposterous position of whatever, you know, but um, we use P's are easy. So perspective of God that's bigger than any situation, circumstance, or need. So when we start with gratitude, our perspective shifts because when we magnify the Lord, it's like magnify, right? You zoom in. I'm doing like an iPad or something, right? You grab the two points and you zoom in, right? That's what happens when we start with gratitude and worship and, and prayer. Then it's like we're magnifying how big God really is. I mean, he is huge. And when we see just how big, big he is, then whatever circumstance we find ourselves in or situation or whatever need it is that we have from God gets right-sized compared to how big he is. It's like, oh, yeah, you could, you can handle this. Like, you're huge. You are able. And you are good. So our perspective shifts. Now, a lot of times what happens in our lives when we're going through something difficult is we tend to magnify that thing, right? Like we zoom in on the difficulty to where it's like a microscope. It's like we have a blemish on our arm or something, and then we take a microscope to where all we can see is the blemish, right? All we can see is the mistake, our frailty, someone else's mistake, whatever it is, the situation, that's all we can see. But gratitude causes us to lift up our eyes from the microscope and realize, oh, I could just do this because I know who I am in Christ and I know who he is. Wow. Now, not to minimize difficulty in our life. I'm not trying to minimize that. There are some things that are extremely hard and they require a lot of attention, but gratitude helps us see just how big God is. Amen? All right, so position. Posture, perspective, and then the final P, of course, is proof. Proof of God's goodness in our life. When we practice gratitude, it, it brings up proof, evidence of all the good things that God has done. It's easy to forget how good God is, isn't it? It's easy to forget, just like the children of Israel. It's easy to forget just how incredible God is. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. 
when we look back and we see how good God has been in our life and all the different things that he's done, all the prayers that he has answered, the transformation that's happened in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our families, in different people's lives even, when we see the work of God, then we remind ourselves, hey, there is proof, there is evidence that God is good. So I can entrust these things, this petition to him and know that he will be faithful to act on my behalf because of his great, incredible love for me. So gratitude cultivates this position where we can hear from the Lord in prayer, a posture of worship, a perspective of how big God is and proof of his faithfulness and goodness in our life. And if we have that and then we step into petition, It's totally different. It's a different experience because our faith has been stirred. And now we can pray a prayer of faith. Now we can pray a prayer with sincerity and authenticity. So gratitude to God cultivates these things. And then, like Paul said, he said, I give thanks for you. Gratitude for people in our life. When we have gratitude for people in our life, it increases the value of that individual in our minds and in our hearts. Um, Sometimes it's hard to be thankful for certain people. You guys know what I'm talking about. And you're like, and you try to give thanks for someone, maybe it's a coworker or someone, you're like, Lord, thank you for their, uh, that they are a person. Thank you for their eyes, Lord. You know what I mean? It's, sometimes it's harder for some people than, than others, right? To, to think of things that we're grateful for, for this particular individual, right? But when we choose to have gratitude for someone and we continually practice that and we give thanks for them, suddenly God gives us his eyes to see them the way he does. And so the value of that person starts to increase in our hearts and we start to see different, Lord, man, I thank you, God, that sometimes, yeah, this person can be a little direct and, you know, and not compassionate, but thank you that they're willing to say the hard thing. Thank you that they have that or, or whatever it is. And so there's, there's ways that God will highlight things in people's lives. And when we practice gratitude for people, their value increases in our hearts and in our minds. Another thing that happens when we choose to be grateful and give thanks for certain people in our life is truth increases. The truth of their identity, especially for those of the people in our lives that are believers. When we are praying for those brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter how difficult they may be, and we are giving thanks for that person, then we begin to see them the way God sees them, for who they truly are. We see that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that they are adopted sons and daughters of God, that they are called, chosen, beloved by God gifted, blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? All the things that we talked about. So we begin to see them that way with the eyes of Christ. And so the more we have gratitude for people, that value for them increases in our hearts. The truth of their identity continues to increase. And lastly, strength comes in our relationship. 
Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. That peace that we have in our hearts towards one another gets stronger and stronger through gratitude. Because what happens is when we see people for who they are in, in Christ, when their behavior doesn't align with their identity, it's easier for us to forgive. It's easier for us to have empathy and compassion. Because if we've been praying for them, then that's already cultivated empathy for them. But if we've practiced gratitude for people in our life and we start to see them the way God does, then when they behave in a way that doesn't align with that, if their behavior may be hurtful or they're prickly or they say something that was kind of rude or whatever else, it, it like gives us this ability for that to kind of bounce off of us a little bit because we like, ah, no, that's not who you really are. Like I know who you really are and that, that behavior wasn't who you are. And so there's more compassion, right? There's more compassion when we have gratitude for people and we see them the way God does. Because one, we see that they're dependent upon God like we are. They're broken just like we are, right? So there's compassion there. But also, we know who they really are. And when their behavior doesn't line up with it, we can forgive. Gratitude produces in us a recovery time that is faster when, when someone does something that might be hurtful. We recover a little bit quicker when we've practiced gratitude for that person. Or we, we give forgiveness a little bit more freely when we've practiced gratitude towards that person. And then hardship doesn't end our relationships. Hardship is something that we can work through because we see who they really are. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So gratitude allows us to have this bond of peace with people that transcends their negative behavior from time to time. And let's just say, not theirs, our own. Amen? Our own negative behavior because we're all guilty. We're the person. There's plenty of times where we're the person that's being prickly or we're the person who says something that was rude or whatever, right? But when we practice gratitude, it allows our relationships to stay strong. A recovery time from hurtful behavior is quicker. Forgiveness flows more freely. Empathy and compassion outweighs our need for retribution and justice. Our empathy and our compassion outweighs our need to be right. Amen? So I know this is true because of my wife and our relationship. She knows, for instance, that when it gets past 10 o'clock at night, I get different. Um, I'm a little bit more prickly. Uh, I can be kind of cynical. You know, at that point, I'm like, ah, yeah, sarcastic, you know. And uh, I can say things that I probably shouldn't say. Uh, but she knows, like, my energy is highest in the morning. So you guys get, like, the best version of me, okay? <laughs> um, but late in the evening, past 10 o'clock, it, it gets a little rough, 
you know, for me. Um, but my wife knows that my energy just kind of continues to go down at the end of the day. Like, I'm not a night person at all. And I know you guys are like, I can't believe it. You know, but I am a morning person. But when it gets past that time, she knows. And so when I start saying dumb stuff or my attitude isn't great or whatever, my wife will look at me lovingly and she'll say, I'm so thankful for you. Go to sleep. <laughs> Just go to bed. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Because I know, like, I just need to sleep. She knows. You just go to sleep, and then you'll wake up tomorrow, and suddenly everything's great. You know? And, uh, and that's exactly what happens. But So she knows me, so she has that grace there. She knows who I really am. And so she knows when I act that way and my attitude's all weird, she knows that that's not who I am. And so she's able to continue uh, to, to have our relationship be strong and to connect with me because she knows me. And the same thing goes when we continue to pray for others and have gratitude towards them. We know them, then we're able to get through some, some rough waters. Amen? All right, well, I want to close with this. <clears throat> I want you to ask yourself, just kind of where you're at, what do you need from the Lord? Out of all the things that we talked about, what is it that you feel the Holy Spirit kind of tugging on your heart about? Is it, is it hearing his voice? Maybe it's been a while since you've really heard the voice of God. And you're like, man, I just, <sighs> that would help my relationship with him. If I could just hear the voice of Jesus. Or maybe, You've been in a hard place in your life where you've been making a little bit more demands of God than requests. Or there's a situation that you're going through right now that seems so big. And it seems so zoomed in and you just, you want to just look up and, and see the perspective of how big God is compared to that. Or maybe you've been doubting God a little bit because you're like, man, where are you? I just, I know you say that you're faithful and you're good, but where has it been? Maybe you just need a reminder. Maybe it's the presence of God touching heart, just reminding you just how good he is. So what I want to do as we close in worship is I want you just to ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what is it? that I need from you. And we're going to close with worship. Worship is gratitude. That's what we're doing. We're giving thanks for God and what he's done in our life. And so take that time. And if it's whatever it is, if you want to hear God's voice, say, God, speak to me. I ask that you'll speak to me. You pray that prayer. Or maybe you need a touch. Whatever it is, I want you to respond to God as we worship. And I'm going to ask um, our elders as well, if, if you guys can make your way to the front during this song of worship. And if you need prayer for anything, anything's going on in your heart, something's been heavy in your life, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. We believe in prayer. We've been, we're talking about prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer even more. We believe that it, it works. And I know the elders in this church, and they love you, and they're going to pray from their heart when they pray. Amen? And so... 
if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. But let's just stand. Let's just stand to our feet. And Jeremy's going to lead us in this song. Let's just respond with gratitude in our hearts. And again, if you need prayer, please come to the front. We would love to pray with you. to give thanks for those in our lives, even people that may be difficult for us, God. Give us grace to give thanks for them, Jesus. We thank you that you will lead us in all truth as you promised in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, next week, we're going to continue in this series, but we're going to dive in. This week, we were talking about how, how we pray, preparing our hearts, posturing our hearts. And then next week, we're going to dive into the what. What do we see Paul pray in that apostolic prayer in Ephesians 1? It's going to be a lot of fun. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we will see you all next week. Next week.